You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. May the peace and blessings of Allah be with you all. Welcome back to Voice of Islam Radio, broadcasting from the biggest mosque of Europe, the Battle for Two Mosques. Dear listeners, as you know, the Voice of Islam Radio is basically teaching us or telling us how Muslim how, or how Islam can integrate or has already integrated in the Western society. And uh, you are listening right now to Breakfast Show. And in this show, dear listeners, we will discuss certain things, current affairs issues as well, with the Islamic angle. And as I said, our aim is to show you that Islam is a religion who can set, who can live in every aspect of the life and in every society as well. Um, my name is Shahid Mudir Ahmed and I'm joined here with Asim Hashmi. Asim Hashmi, Asalaamu Alaikum. Asalaamu Alaikum, peace be upon you. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing very well. How about you? I'm good, by the grace of God. So, dear listeners, uh, uh, dear listeners the reason I've now just said that is because me and Asim, we have born brought up here in the Western society. And Asim, to be honest, we are brought up here, we went to the same school. We had Christian friends, even Jewish friends. It never happened that we had some difficulties to integrate. Absolutely, yeah. Even though, like, we um, we, are f- we are following the Islamic religion as well, the Islamic teachings as well, um, and uh, still, uh, it is like uh, we feel more uh, be part of this country instead of the countries of our origin. And uh, I think this is like very important because, um, as an imam, I've a lot of I've seen a lot of children who are born here in this society who speak this language very well, and I I know in fact that they might dream in the same language as well as I do as well. Uh, and uh, this shows that Islam is basically a religion who can fit easily in a Western society as well. And therefore, as I said, uh, the breakfast show is there where we discuss. Um, certain topic, current fair topics, and with the Islamic ang- angle as well. And uh, Asim, uh, for our listener, what are those two topics which we have prepared today? So, uh, Sahil, the first segment which we are going to talk about is the importance of speaking up. We do have a, uh. a live guest uh, for that topic. I guess the live guest is from Germany. Absolutely. And then this uh, second segment is called Labour Frontbenchers Resignation in Solidarity with Gaza Ceasefire. We do have a pre-recording with a guest and a live caller as well. Talking about ceasefire, talking about denying of uh, a ceasefire, which is very sad. Um, we had yesterday, Asim, in the same building where they voted against ceasefire, an event organized by the Youth Association of the United Kingdom known as the Majlis Khudam Lamdiya. And uh, where they came together uh, under the banner or under the new campaign called Voices for Peace. And I had the opportunity to go there as well. And uh, uh, many, many, um, uh, there were many, many distinguished guests as well who spoke about the importance of peace as well. And the, the ambassador of Palestine was there as well. Um, this is this is very important uh, that um, for me, or for us as well, for I think for every human being, um, 
having peace not even in your mind but having peace in society or in the world is very important and if if even though we don't live in this region but this can spread all over the country as well and uh, islam is a religion who has always taught us one thing which is to be justice uh, to show justice not to be just and to show justice uh, and uh, to fight injustice when you see injustice to fight it and therefore islam has given us one beautiful teaching you know go asam last says for example in the holy quran that just look at me don't look at the people look at me what i have given to you yes when even if people are mean to you just ignore them remember i have given something to you look at me make try to make me happy instead of taking your revenge against other people doesn't matter what they ever have done allah is still here allah is still giving and uh, this is i think one of the best religion uh, teaching and this is why you know asan um his holiness uh the head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community has Mr. Masood Ahmad Mayala has pointed out many many times as well that um we should recognize God we should recognize him with all of his abilities with all of his blessings he has showed towards us and uh, i think this is the best way to establish harmony and establish peace in the society as well that because then we realize yes that there is someone who is still providing and then we also realize that when we have this living connection with god that we should also have a living connection with his creation which means that we should also show harmony towards his creation as well i mean it builds empathy for other people as well if he start recognizing god as well uh dear listeners um i hope you are enjoying your breakfast um i don't know if you have started reading the news um but as normally uh we discussed the current news as well and um more uh, delicious mo- most of the front pages focus on rishi sunak's plan to revive the government's rwanda policy after the supreme court ruled the scheme was unlawful now the prime minister fights back declares the daily express which describes him as deficient the times says mr sunak has pledged to do whatever is necessary to go to get flights to rwanda of the ground by the next election the guardian says mr sunak has stated his political credibility on pushing through emergency legislation to resurrect the policy but the independence headline calls him rattled the daily telegraph the listener reports that conservative rebels have warned that mr sunak's proposed new emergency law to declare rwanda safe doesn't go far enough and could still be obstructed by the european court of human rights The Times argues that Mr. Sunak is right to, as the paper puts it, exhaust every last judicial avenue in pursuit of a solution to the small boats crisis, but advances that he is now at risk of breaking his contract with, with an electro- uh, electorate anxious to see migration control, and urge ministers to prioritize action, not rhetoric. And then the listener the sun's editorial says it is cordially welcomes the government's new approach to get those rights off the ground but says the paper and its readers are sick of broken promises the daily mail suggests mr sunak's reaction to the supreme court judgment has revealed a new aspect of his personality and then coming from mr sunak we're going now to kiss thomas then because 
delisted more than 50 Labour MPs defying circus stammers on last night's vote for a ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas conflict. It's reflected in most of the papers. The Telegraph says Sir suffered the biggest rebellion of his leadership so far. And the headline in the Express is Thomas Revolt. The Times says Sir was unrepentant as the Gaza vote split his party. Writing in the eye, Jane Merrick says, the rebellion isn't going to cause irreparable damage to the leader, but she argues he has suffered a serious challenge to his authority. And then photographs of Elizabeth Debicki as Princess Diana in the la latest series of The Crown feature in many of the papers. The first installment of the final season arrives on Netflix today, covering the princess's death. The Guardian says the entire cast provide brilliant performances, but they cannot lift what it calls cross-writing. The paper also says the series is impossible hamstrung by being set well within living mem memory. And it's revealed that Mir uh, the Mirror says that despite some flaws with these latest ex episodes, Netflix's jewel in the crown continues to sparkle. And listener, finally, the Times reports that with international travel booming again, families are paying for the pet chickens to stay at hen hotels. The number of chickens and other similar birds being kept as pets in the UK has shot up in recent years. From 400,000 in 2020, it almost 1.5 million last year. Some hen hostels are apparently offering their feathered guests some soft feeding, fresh food and soothing classical music. So these are the headlines of today's paper, um, mo mostly about Sirkias Thomas, uh, about him and um, about those MPs who have d defying Sirkias uh, Thomas on on his step uh, against the ceasefire. Um, Asim, you know when I heard that they have voted against ceasefire, I thought. No, the bombing will start, and no innocent people will die again. You know, I'm, I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about. I'm talking about babies, yeah. newborn babies, yes. right? They, they yes. just came, and uh, the only thing they see, uh, they feel. I mean, they won't make it, unfortunately. You know, if I t if I speak the truth, those babies who are dying in the hospital, a mother has to decide if she wants to stay with her newborn, or if she wants to go to look for shelter. Right, both will basically destroy her. Right, emotionally she will be damaged already. And now I can't understand how people can say that these are terrorists, or that apparently Hamas fighters are hiding behind them or using them as human shield. I never understood this common sense of saying that they use them as some human shield. I don't want to go into that more, but having the most advanced. <coughs> Or being the most advanced government over there, I have the facility to look out two million people to know every step they're doing. Yet you can't. You're saying that you don't know where Hamas fighters are hiding. It is very strange for me to understand that. But anyhow, um, I just want to give out one message to every uh, politicians who has voted against the ceasefire. God is watching. God is knowing what you do. You are making history. And remember, you are, will be in the wrong part of history. Uh, Asim, weather? Absolutely. We always have to discuss the weather. So, 
the weather forecast says that it's going to be wet and windy for some today, drier and brighter Friday. Today, outbreaks of heavy rain will affect southern part of England and Wales, turning showery in the southwest later. Fairly dry elsewhere with some sunny spells, though maybe the odd showers too. Rain will affect Northern Ireland into the afternoon. Tonight, rain <coughs> will spread eastwards across the UK this evening with a few showers developing behind this in the west. Clear spells developing too with frost and fog developing for some. Friday, a chilly but largely dry and bright start, though with a few showers in the west, sunshine turning hazy in the southwest into the afternoon with raining with rain moving through later so that was the weather uh, we do have some um, news as well uh, starbucks faces walkout at hundreds of u.s stores the union representing thousands of starbucks workers in the u.s is staging a walkout on one of the coffee chain's busiest days of the year the action comes amid bitter fight between Starbucks and Starbucks Workers U United, which started organizing workers at the company in 2021. The two sides are fighting over pay, scheduling, and other issues. Roughly 200 stores are, ex are expected to be affected by the 16 November work stoppage. Um, the protest is second to coincide with Starbucks Red Cup Day with the, when the company distributes reusable holiday-themed cups. In some locations, the walkout is set to last just a few hours, while in others, it is expected to shutter the store for the most of the day. So there is some news for Starbucks. We do have another news, which is a derby fire deaths. Killer Paul Mosley can be released from prison. A man convicted of killing six children in a, a deliberate fire can be released from prison following a parole hearing. Paul Mo Mosley was jailed along with uh, Mick and Merritt Pilpot uh, for the most manslaughter of six children in a house fire in Derby in 2012. He was re released in May 2021 after serving half of his sentence but was returned to prison in 2022 after breaching the terms of his parole. The parole board confirmed the decision on Wednesday. A spokesperson said we can confirm that a panel of the Parole Board has directed the release of Paul Mosley following on an oral hearing. A parole Board decision are solely focused on what risk a prisoner could represent to the public if released and whether the risk is manageable in the community. A panel will carefully examine a huge range of evidence including details of the original crime and any evidence behavior change as well as explore the harm done and the impact of crime he has on the victims so that was a news uh, regarding the derby fire um arab and muslim leaders blame west for gaza misery um it says hypocrisy double standards and a failure to understand the re region these are the charges being labeled at the west primarily by the U.S. by leaders of 57 Arab and Muslim countries who convened at the, at the weekend in the Saudi capital, Riyadh. How is it? Foreign Minister said to me that the West slams Russia for killing civilians in Ukraine, yet in, in their words, it 
gives green light to Israel to do the same in Gaza. In the luxurious surrounding of Riyadh, Ritz Charter Hotel amid giant floral bouquets and glittering chandeliers and a world away from the shattered landscape of Gaza, princes, presidents and prime ministers met for the joint Arabic-Islamic Extraordinary Summit. Blame for the war and destruction of lives and property was heaped uh, on Israel and its supporters. No one criticized, criticized Hamas for its 7 October raid in southern Israel that killed 1,200 people and saw some 240 taken hostages, triggering the massive military retaliation. Israel said he, the Secretary General of the Arab League had committed criminal acts. We warn of the dis disastrous perpetration of the aggression by Israel against the Gaza Strip, which amounts to a war crime, said the final communique. They warn of the real danger of the expansion of the war was as a result of Israel's refusal to stop its aggression of the U inability of the UN Security Council to enforce international law to end this aggression. Few people I spoke to at the summit expected Israel to take much notice. Instead, it was clear that this summit and its intended message of uni un unity was aimed at Israel's biggest backer, the United States. Leader wanted the Biden administration and the West in general to exert sufficient pressure on Israel to stop the war altogether. But what they could not agree on was how to achieve that. The summit would pull together some strange bedfellows, an indication of just how worried the region is at event in Gaza, spiraling beyond their control. So that was the news when Arabs and Muslim leaders came together and did blame the West for the Gaza mystery. Yeah, um, blaming no other people, it's not, I think this is the, the not appropriate because... Um, as the world leaders, they come, should come together and should look for a solution now instead yep. of pointing fingers. Mm -hmm. um, it is, um, you know, for most of the Muslims, dear listener, for the mo most of most of the Muslims, they of of course condemn uh, the uh, Ham the Hamas what they have done. Um, it is shocking that they have done it in the name of Islam. While Islam is preaching peace, they do the opposite. Uh, but it is also shocking that uh, the step which was taken by Israel as well. Uh, by killing innocent people, uh, innocent children, um, in the name of self-defense, uh, who has nothing to do. So Islam basically has m may, uh, put out rules, rules uh, which are now um, taken uh, also from uh, by the UN uh, and has put uh, out in the name of inter uh, national law, which can't be broken. And we have seen that Israel has broken many, many times. The Prophet peace be upon him has told us that during the war, no innocent people should be killed, and no institutions like mosque, etc., or, or uh, hospitals should be destroyed, and, and no trees uh, or, or the infrastructure of the country should be destroyed as well. What we see is uh, has been done by um, Israel as well, and human rights uh, violation has been sh uh, seen. In that case as well. So it is sad. Both parties have made mistakes, a lot of mistakes. And uh, you know, to put it simple, in the words of His Holiness, 
If they, want, if they want to fight, then Hamas and the Israeli army should fight against each other, but they should leave out the civilian, the innocent civilian. And I still can't understand as a human being, you know, as a human being, awesome. I can't understand how another human being can take can take the life of an innocent person. Yeah, it's it's it is very heartbreaking and very difficult to understand. But we do hope and pray that, as we have been telling for days, weeks, that. Um, ceasefire is the only way forward and we do hope even the par- parliament of UK and all other parliaments do agree and do vote uh, you know for the ceasefire I mean most of the majority here in the Britain I'm talking about not about uh, politicians I'm talking about the civilian mm-hmm. they are for ceasefire absolutely and uh, you can see that this is what Britain makes so great that people always stood up for peace and that always came together f- people from different background came together aimed for the f- same thing and um, this is this is the most important thing right now which I see otherwise the conflict can, can get so bigger so bigger so bigger that uh, it is going towards a b- m- major conflict as well which could be the third world war and then everyone even those politicians could be affected by that as well and as I said they will be remembered in the end history uh, as those who were in the wrong part of history um, dear listeners uh, we will go now for a short break and after that short break we will start with our first segment which is to raise your voice um, and talking about voices I just want to say that His Holiness has started that new campaign voices for peace and we will talk about that as well in the first segment so do me a favor stay tuned with the voice islam radio in the name of allah the most gracious ever merciful dear listeners welcome back to breakfast show my name is shah munir ahmed and i'm joined here with asim hashmi and dear listeners as promised we will discuss about the campaign which was started by his holiness about which is known as Voices for Peace. And Asim, I believe this is very important, especially for the current situation which we are going through. We should speak about it. We should raise our voice for peace and uh, we, uh, to encourage people to speak about peace and to build a society of peace as well. Uh, Islam, Asim, for example, Islam... Um, if you look at, uh, at Islamic teachings, the Holy Prophet peace be upon him has said that you should help the oppressor, right? And the oppressed as well. Okay, you can you can understand how to help the oppressed one, but how would you help the oppressor? And Holy Prophet has said to educate them, right? To tell them, listen, what you're doing is wrong and there's other ways, other measures you can take. Now, you understand at this point, that the Holy Prophet has said that he didn't say that you should take sides. Basically, said you should have both of them. And um, therefore, our voices for peace, our voices are going through both parties. That whatever it is, uh, remember that casualty is on both sides. Uh, and uh, for world peace, it is important that we start thinking as adults, sit down on a table, have some food, and make some jokes, and come to a decision which is helpful for the whole society, for the whole world. 
And uh, dear listeners, um, today we will talk also um, about the importance of speaking up as well. Uh, as I said, we will have a guest from Germany. But before we go to our first guest, Asim, what is the gist of the story? So the gist is that in the world's uh, current war-torn climate, it is incredibly important that each individual does what they need to ensure peace and harmony in this world. However, what must one do to achieve these objectives? So in today's, shows, uh, in today's show, we will be discussing what actions should be taken when you know humanitarian injustices are taking place and if if there should be any rules and regulations when it comes to speaking up so you say rule and regulation should there be as well yes of course um but um in what instances should people come together to fight against injustices so asylum people should come together to speak up and Stand up to those who cannot speak for themselves. Uh -huh, um, uh -huh. Raise your voice for those who are unable to speak for themselves and for the rights of all the poor. Raise your voice, uh, provide just uh, judgments and stand up for the rights of the un underprivileged and disadvantaged. Also, whenever the core value of justice, equality and human rights are infringed, people should unite to compact injustices. In instances of, of, you know, political oppression, social inequity, discrimination and other types of systematic injustices should prompt collective action. So the strength of unity becomes essential when fighting for underrepresented groups, tackling environmental damage or opposing unfair labor practices. People may raise awareness, strengthen their voices and strive towards Uh, building a more just and compassionate, compassionate society for all via shared commitment to justice and equity. So, the listeners, um, speaking up is very important. You have your voice, use your voice very wisely as well. And how to use your voice very wisely, this is something we need to know as well. And therefore, we have a guest from Germany with us right now on hold. Her name is Archita Fritz, um, and she is a global marketer and a strategist. And she has a broadcast called Embracing Only, uh, uh, celebrating those who are who dare to be different. And based in Düsseldorf, Archita's vision is rooted in transforming workplaces through empathy and innovation, striving to catalyze impactful change. She lives her mantra, be bold, be brave, be you. Archita Fritz, good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Achita, um, just before we start the interview, I just want to let you know that we both are also German-born. So oh. our first, actually, actually, language is German too. But unfortunately, because this is a UK-based radio station, we can speak, We have to uh, do the interview in um, English. Um, but uh, Achita, if you have the chance, uh, you should go to a place called Grosskero, where my birthplace, one of the beautiful places in the world. It's close to Frankfurt as well. And uh, because I'm saying that because, you know, when um, when I grew when I grew up over there, uh, when I go when I went to the kindergarten, um, my teachers or my uh, nursery teachers, she told me that because I'm I'm to be honest, I was very shy in the beginning. Yeah. And uh, um, I 
it was a bit difficult for me to have friends as well. And the f- the first person who motivated me was my nursery teacher, and she said, "Listen, mm. um, if you don't try to speaking to people, you will never know. How, or you will never know if they do like you or not." So she said, "Go and just uh, say hello and uh, introduce yourself, and start playing with them." This is my like my first day where she basically encouraged me to do so. So I was very shy, and uh, of course she followed me, and I just sat down with one of the children over there. I introduced me, I introduced myself, and um, yeah, suddenly we start playing. But Achita, I just want to know that because there are so many people, even you know, I've seen grown-ups very shy, uh, and uh, sometimes they hesitate to speak to other people. Sometimes they are just with themselves, even though you you see that they want to speak. What is the best thing? Is it okay for us if we go to them and if we start take the first step, or should that shy person should take the first step? Yeah, so great question. Um, and so one of the so I actually am born and raised in India, and I moved to Germany from the U.S. because of my work. Uh, but it's funny enough you shared your story about when you were a kid in nursery because the first person to get me to step out of my shell was in sixth grade in India, Mrs. Fayaz. And um, she said the same thing, like, if you don't speak up for yourself, no one else will. And I'll share the same thing, like, whether you're a kid or now as an adult in workplaces, we have to own our voice, but more importantly, find our voice. And speaking up means expressing our views, our needs, and our boundaries. Speaking up means teaching people how to treat you. But most importantly, it's about finding your voice. And what I'll be sharing is more from a perspective of the workplace itself. Um, what, what, what we do need to recognize, though, is there is this general advice that goes around which says, just speak up, just speak up. I can think of all my aunties and everyone being like, just speak up. But just mm. speak up is such terrible advice because it ignores the cultural and systemic factors that may encourage individuals from doing so. So taking the time to recognize your unique voice within the power dynamics at play, especially when you're at a workplace, is essential. And then I I shared earlier about teaching people how to treat you. So take a pen and paper and write down mm-hmm. what are my boundaries, mm-hmm. what am I not willing to compromise on, and then communicate this up and down the ladder with, with, when you're in the workplace and then recognize that you are in the driver's seat of making these decisions of when you choose to speak up. And you mentioned something about allies and individuals who can help. Mm. Uh, I'll talk about this, uh, you know, probably later here, but always ask the person how they want to be supported. Mm. Don't assume that they want you to speak up on their behalf. So always ask before you en- engage or react to how they're showing up. So, Arjuna, you, 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 you are talking about workplaces. And uh, we have heard about people who have been bullied and harassed in workplaces as well. Why is it important to speak up in workplaces? Yes, it's such a good question, right? So I'm the CMO for a UK-based non-for-profit called Speak Out Revolution. And we have uh, information and uh, documented experiences from over 2,000 individuals across 33 different countries and 36 industries. So I'm going to share some statistics. And these are really critical because the playground bullying as kids transfers to the workplace. So when we step into the workplace, we need to be aware that those practices have not changed because those kids per se were never 
told to do things differently or individuals who were targets of bullying and harassment as kids never taught people to teach them how to treat them right so in our um data we found that 92% of people have shared that they have experienced workplace bullying and harassment 92% so literally 9 out of 10 people at work have experienced some kind of microaggression gaslighting discounting etc yet 64% don't report it and of those who reported only about uh, not only but uh, about 24% are silenced and you can imagine this is worse off if you're a woman of color or especially a black woman and only 4% receive any resolution so this is so critical that speaking up can disrupt these harmful patterns and create that safer environment and this is the craziest statistic 67% of the time there is someone present when an individual is experiencing workplace bullying and harassment there's someone present and in that 67% of the time that individual who's that ally or that a person listening in or seeing this target experiencing this sure there's a cost to speaking up but weigh the cost of you speaking up against this bad behavior against the cost of the individual actually experiencing the behavior and usually the cost to you is just discomfort and if it's just discomfort speak up mm. really interesting points um archita what can people and companies do to make it easier for everyone to speak up and about problems at work yes yeah, so you know the cost i think there was a study recently done uh, in the uk uh, by the uh, or globally by the international workplace bullying institute and the cost to companies is 4 and a half billion dollars uh, i mean pounds excuse me uh, for absenteeism trauma etc that individuals experience from workplace bullying and harassment that's a significant amount of money so if money motivates you right because the companies are responsible to their shareholders then weigh in on the fact that if you don't act on changing the patterns and creating a psychologically safe environment it's ultimately going to impact innovation it's going to impact team morale it's going to impact the kind of talent you attract and it's going to impact your bottom line right so companies can foster diverse communication styles and provide more of that inclusive leadership and step away from what um a soon to be published author Elaine Lynn Herring talks about which is lazy leadership lazy leadership says that if you don't speak a certain way which is you're not the loudest in the room if you don't raise your hand all the mm. time then your voice is discounted but you are in you know inadvertently silencing other voices so be aware of what you're doing as a leader most workplaces have zero bullying and harassment policies for sure but there is so much gray with regards to how that is implemented so as an individual get informed i would highly recommend everybody to go on to speakoutrevolution.co.uk there is a free resource it's a dashboard and depending on how you identify as an individual it will give you an idea of if you are a target of workplace bullying and harassment what you can experience usually people's individual experiences become five times worse after they report it so knowledge is power so um equip yourself with the information so you know what you need to do to take care of yourself and if you are a leader of a team within an organization recognize how you can create safe places to help your team voice their concerns 
Um, Achida, you, you were talking about boundaries as well. Um, now, for example, someone is working in a place and whatever field he or she has taken, she wants to make a career in that field. Um, and But to make that career, may, maybe sometimes she has to change as well and has to put her moral values away as well. Do you think in that sense that changing her the character and putting away more values is crossing the boundaries only to make career or only to speak up? Yes, <laughs> but that's my moral compass, you know? So uh, it's in each an individual's decisions, right? So mm. if you want to get ahead in a career and mm. you're willing to compromise on what your values are and what your moral compass is, then, you know, that that's your choice and your decision. Mm. But be cognizant of Uh, the cost and the ripple effect that has eventually on other decisions you will make in life but on the people that are around you at that workplace as well but most of the time people don't even take the they don't even take the time to write down or articulate what are their values because they just assume that the values of you know the leaders that are ahead of them in the company are mm -hmm. ones that they should uh, mimic but they are not you so take the time to do that for yourself and then You, you have a choice you know we, I always say this that anytime you're experiencing something like this or you're experiencing dissonance with your values you have a choice and most of the time we feel like we don't have choices and that's where mentors peers you know coaches can really help you as well in navigating those choices interesting and uh, <clears throat> Achita so um Of course, uh, uh, just if we can give like few advices for people. As I said, um, there are people who might be shy speaking up in the workplaces as well. Um, and to, to get encouraged to stand up, to say, listen, um, I have this idea. You said raise your hand as well, make your voice loud as well. There are still people who are a bit, let's say, shy. What advice would you give these people now? Yeah, so, you know, I, I spoke about lazy leadership earlier. And so mm. I think leaders have the first, uh, have to take the first responsibility to recognizing that mm -hmm. speaking up doesn't mean raising your hand in a meeting. Mm -hmm. Speaking up could mean reflecting on what someone said at the meeting mm -hmm. and then engaging with the leader separately later on. It could mean responding to the message in Slack to be like, hey, as I reflect on the meeting, these are my thoughts, right? So speaking up could look different. So If your leader does not engage with you on what speaking up means to you, mm. you engage with your leader. You have a one-on-one -on -one with your leader. Okay. Share with them that, hey, I might not be that person always talking the loudest, raising my hand, sharing my opinion at the drop of a hat, but I'm a reflective person as an example. Mm -hmm. And um, I'd love to share my opinion, but I'd love to, would you be willing to help create an environment wherein I can share this At a, late, at a later time, you know, within that confines of when the decisions need to be made, of course, via Slack, via uh, an email, one-on-one -on -one with the leader. So the leaders have, uh, you know, have an imperative to do that. But as an individual, we really need to recognize this, that if we don't speak up, nobody is going to do the talking exactly. on our, our behalf. And I use the word talking loosely. I don't mean just like actually hmm. speaking, but, you know, voicing our opinions. So take the keys as i say to like you know your career and get in the driver's seat exactly. to drive the decision where you want to go no, no this is very powerful what you said especially you know when uh, you basically said that the leader should look for quality speak like if someone speak is speaking and speak, you can see in speech quality things as well then you should recognize this person as well 
this is this and even like the person um if you think that he's not recognized by his uh, leader then he or she should come come forward and should speak to that leader listen i have these ideas i can do that i can help the company etc it is actually very powerful what you said in the end and it's encouraging as well i really like that um yeah. Ajita, um you you have also a podcast uh, embracing only which we can, uh, i believe can listen to on youtube as well if i'm not mistaken Yeah, so actually it's an all pod anywhere you listen to your podcast not on youtube but soon but anywhere we are on season six, and the whole goal of the embracing only podcast was to amplify the voices um of def- redefining what success looks like i was raised to believe success looked like just one way mm-hmm. going all the way up to c-suite but there are so many different ways to achieve success so we uh, interview women who are breaking the mold of what success looks like so and they're from all around the world so i would highly um, recommend individuals to tune in if you are learning to recognize and find your voice it's a great place to start but ashita i really like when you said that um if you see someone speaking and speaking in a way that you see quality in his speech or you see improvement like that he can bring improvement in the company that you should recognize him as well and that also when you said that if that person is not acknowledged by his leader and he should stand up by himself i really like find it very powerful and i think this is should some uh, we should remember that and we should write it down somewhere that be brave and just as you said be uh, be bold be brave be you just yes. go and speak up uh, achita thank you for joining today it was very lovely speaking to you as well i've learned a lot and uh, hopefully one day we can have you again on the breakfast show Absolutely. Thank you for having me, and I'll have to go check out your uh, birthplace based on what you yeah, said. Yeah, it's very beautiful. It's a very nice place. It's called Gross Gross, close to Frankfurt, and for Fabulous. me, it's the beautiful place on earth. Fabulous. I love it. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Asim, so um, uh, to be honest, sometimes I've seen quality speaking by you as well. I've never acknowledged that uh, because I know you're a humble person. What um, you you if you don't see anything, yes, speak up and then tell me. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, if you see anything in me, when uh, good thing, you should speak up as well. <laughs> no, it's good. You know, think. To be honest, um, I've um, sometimes you know when I see people, uh, I see a lot of quality people around me, but I think they are like you know, sh- you have heard uh, the uh, the metaphor of shining stars, right? Yeah. They can. These people can be shining stars only if they are able to speak. Um, if they're brave, right? She she said, "Be brave, people. Be you. if they are brave enough, they should go." But also, as she said, you know the th- the thing is, she just didn't talk about employees. She she talked about leaders as well that they should have an eye for these people who have quality. You know, instead of looking of quantity, they should look of quality as well. That he what he's saying is good and can help the the company as well. So in both way, she basically educated both people, both parties that you should do and you should come forward. Um, dear listeners, uh, I I'm pretty sure you have enjoyed the interview as well. Uh, we will uh, know we, because we have reaching the hour, which means we will go now for the news break. After the news break, we will continue with the segment as well. Uh, we will also continue uh, with. The new campaign "Voices for Peace," launched by His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Muhammad Mayor Abu Salpa, and about the event which was uh, held yesterday in the House of Commons by the Youth Organisation of UK. So do me a favour, stay tuned with the Voices of Islam Radio, 
and uh, make sure that um, you turn in after a few minutes. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. May the peace and blessings of Allah be with you all. Welcome back to Breakfast Show. And before we went uh, for the break, Asim, I was talking about the Voices for Peace uh, event, which was held yesterday in the House of Commons. Just few um, rooms away where the UK Parliament basically um, voted against an immediate ceasefire. Now, you see in one place, in the same building, they're talking about immediate ceasefire, they're talking about peace, and then there are people who can basically make it happen, denied that fact, and spoke against it. Now, um, it is very um, uh, strange, but Asim, um, Voice for Peace, this is uh, something you know the world is crying for, the world is looking for. Um, in that event, we had the ambassador of Palestine as well. We had other um, MPs as well. Absolutely. We had uh, Jim Sharon, we had Ed Davey, we had uh, Khalil Yusuf as well, Amjad Khan, and we also had President AMA UK, who was the host, and the President AMA UK, and also respected Ibrahim Ikhlaf. And uh, we had exactly and uh, talking about Ahmed Khan, who's the human, who's a human rights lawyer in America, he was there as well. Now everyone was there, and everyone was, speak, was speaking basically that um, why it is important to have a ceasefire and why it is important to end the conflict over there and to have immediate peace. And they said for that immediate peace, it will help us to. Uh, to reach or to maintain global peace in the world as well. So, dear listeners, and we have a few cl- uh, clips prepared of yesterday's um, event. Um, so, I'm going to play it first uh, from uh, the Palestinian ambassador and let's see what he said yesterday. This is a dent for humanity. Every one of us. And the four, number one, we are watching. And the world is watching this house tonight and every other political house. Anybody who fails to call for an immediate ceasefire fails our humanity, fails our values, fails the very purpose of all. You said everyone who asked me said everyone who votes against ceasefire uh, fails uh, humanity fails our values mm-hmm. and this is what every human being wants that the war should come to an end there's nothing good in the war the only thing what good is in the war is the end obviously and uh, um, now I was thinking that when when, it, when they deny ceasefire uh, the outbreak would be much bigger than now because the war is still going on and other people will come uh, and join His Holiness asked him but he has spoken about this many, many times, and uh, whatever he said, every word he said is coming true now. He talks about blocks which will happen, which we see as well, like Russia, China, and Iran, they're making their own blocks, and we have Israel and America on the other part. It is coming to, uh, and uh, it is going towards a bigger damage or bigger war. 
uh, a bigger disaster. And uh, Islam has always spoken up about this as well. Um, well, it taught us the importance of speaking up as well when we see injustice as well. But um, it also spoke about using wisdom in your speech as well, if I'm not mistaken. Absolutely. So in the Holy Quran, uh, chapter 2, verse 268 to 270, it states that, O you who believe, spend of the good things that you have earned and of what we produce for, for you from the earth and seek not what is bad to spend out of it when you would not take it yourself ex except that you connive it at it and know that Allah is self-sufficient, praiseworthy He grants wisdom to whom He pleases and whoever He grants uh, granted wisdom has intended indeed been uh, granted abundant good and none would he be rem reminded except those endowed with understanding. Here, basically, wisdom is referred to, you know, as a gift bestowed to people of intelligence. Mm, mm. So who seek uh, knowledge of a matter and try to understand all, you know, the perspectives before forming a belief and speaking on it. And, uh, you know, speaking uh, um, about it, um... Sometimes someone speak up and doesn't use wisdom. Uh, there are potential disadvantages as well. Uh, and uh, of course, uh, yeah. when you speak incorrectly, if you don't be intelligent, don't mm -hmm. use your wisdom. Mm -hmm. um, what can be the disadvantage then? So the disadvantages of speaking up is if you could uh, be seen as critical, offensive or argumentative. Uh, when getting your voice across, which can lead to people lacking in confidence. Another example is that some people may believe that there will be no change when speaking up. Another disadvantage is that uh, of speaking up is people um, often refrain from speaking up because they are afraid of what could happen or believe uh, you know, that they won't be heard. Speaking out incorrectly can have serious consequences such as spread of false information that can cause misunderstandings and confusion. Such errors can undermine one's credibility, destroying trust and making it less likely that other people would find their viewpoints credible. Statements that are inaccurate, particularly when they deal with delicate subjects, can strain uh, relationships and damage an organization's reputation which can affect both people and organizations. If someone is harmed or has their reputation damaged as a result of false uh, claims or information, there may potentially be legally repercussions. Furthermore, using the wrong kind of speech might unintentionally draw attention away from real problems and jeopardize significant courses interesting uh the point is that um when you speak and when you do criticize people you should kind of have decent watches as well but um awesome i like the way when you said uh, on when islam speaks about it as well that you should use your wisdom as well i think in this sense uh, it is also important that you should look at the sentiments and the feelings of other people yeah, absolutely well. yeah yeah also um in chapter 
33 verse 71 in the Holy Quran it says, O you who believe, fear Allah and say the right word. So this surah um, deals with some of the most important Islamic laws uh, quite appropriately. It closes uh, with no basic direction in this respect. So the direction is to affect the believers should always be on the guard against incurring the displeasure of God but unseemly conduct and should be very straightforward in dealing with other people. And Asim, um, you know the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, uh, he has said that when you speak, um, good, give glad tidings, yes? Yes. And d- don't spread hatred. Uh, and uh, this is, I think this is very important that while giving glad tidings, you're looking for the sentiment and the feelings of other people. And while you stop spreading hatred, you also build a good relationship with that human being or you encourage him as well. Or let's say, I believe this is how you build a healthy society in the end. Uh, and then he further said that um, don't make things uh, difficult for you. Make it easier for you. So his life, uh, the, the teaching or the uh, um the message he basically gave is, just to sum it up, is that um, look for the sentiments of other people. Yes, uh, make sure that uh, you teach them that in this way that they become a part of the society, but also uh, make sure that you take the easy way, not difficult way as well. And... Uh, um, Archita, she 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 spoke about this as well. That um, when you see as a leader, Tolipov himself was a leader as well. Uh, he he could see the qualities of people, and he would manage to to use the or to to train them to make sure, uh, sure that the qualities they have become would become useful for the society as well or in the workplace as well, or wherever you are. So these are the things I think is very important that we should remember. Um, the listeners, uh, as I said, we had the, the Voice for Peace campaign as well. We will carry on with this as well uh, in the other segment. Um, but before we go to the other segment, um, the listeners, I uh, just want to say that Islam is a religion who has encouraged everyone to have the freedom of speech as well, but with boundaries. Uh, have boundaries as well, which means that we shouldn't um, cross the boundaries by um, criticizing or by using wrong language or by lying as well. This is, this, I thought, this is something worth mentioning as well that Islam has set for this as well, the rules as well. And uh, while, you know, in, uh, in the name of freedom of speech, we have seen a lot of disturbance as well in society nowadays, especially else in the Western society. Uh, and I think this is, should be looked after as, uh, as well that maybe we should adapt the Islamic point of view if we talk about uh, the voices for peace as well. Uh, um, sorry, uh, if we talk about uh, freedom of speech as well. Listeners, we will now uh, wrap it up with the first segment. We will go to the second segment, but before we do so, we uh, go for a short break. Do me a favor, stay tuned with the Voice of Islam Radio. Writings of the Promised Messiah, Salam. Remember, that no one will descend from heaven. All our opponents who are alive today will die, and no one will see Jesus, son of Mary, descending from heaven. Then their next generation will pass away, and no one of them will see this spectacle. 
then the generation next after that will pass away without seeing the Son of Mary descending from heaven. Then God will make them anxious that though the time of the supremacy of the cross had passed away and the world had undergone great changes, yet the Son of Mary had not descended from heaven. Then wise people will suddenly discard this belief. The third century after today will not yet have come to a close when those who hold this belief, whether Muslims or Christians, will lose all hope and will give up this belief in disgust. There will then be only one religion that will prevail in the world and only one leader. I have come only to sow the seed which has been sown by my hand. Now it will sprout and grow and flourish and no one can arrest its growth. The journalist went on to ask Kazur if there is still a role for organized religion in the world and can religion be a voice for peace? You see, we say that the purpose of religion is not to scare anybody. As I have already told you, there are two purposes for which the founder of the Ahmadiyya movement appeared to revive the true teaching of Islam. Mm -hmm. And the basis of the two teachings are to make the people realize their duties they owe to their creator. Mm -hmm. And secondly, to make them realize their duties they owe to their fellow beings. Mm -hmm. So if you know these two duties, then there's no need to fear us. Mm -hmm. We are not going to force. We preach, we do not say that you must accept, otherwise we shall do this or that. We are not that type of fanatic mullahs or miscreants who are dis disturbing the, the, the peace of the society. Mm -hmm. We say we must live peacefully mm -hmm. and we respect each other. Quran says that you must respect the religion of each other. It says that you should not even use any bad language against the idols of the idol worshippers mm -hmm. because they will, in retaliation, use the same language against Allah, the Almighty, your God. And that means you are going to be the cause of that language. So respect even those people and do not speak ill of any person, any deity of any religion. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back to Breakfast Show. My name is Shahir Mir Ahmed and I'm joined here with Asim Hashmi and Asim. Second segment Labour's front benches, resignation and solidarity with Gaza ceasefire. What is the gist of the story? So, sorry, the gist of the story is that the conflict between Gaza and Israel is ongoing and there have been calls for ceasefire. Imran Hussain, MP for Bradford East, resigned from the Labour front bench due to his position on the conflict. And, you know, um, I mean, uh, what, like, I want to know that what is the implication of a front bench's organization over the Israel-Hamas conflict and how, this, how does this reflect on internal parties' dynamics? So there are different um, 
things we can discuss is first is policy influence. Mm -hmm. So the departure of a front bencher can influence the party's stance on the Israel-Hamas conflict. It, it might prompt the re-evaluation of the party's position or lead to a more robust inter internal debate on the issue. Uh, you, know, you know, the party's policies on foreign affairs may evolve as a result. Also, uh, ceasefire advocacy, Imran Hussein's resignation, is linked to a call for ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas conflict. It could potentially bring attention to the need for diplomatic resolution. His departure might amplify the voice advocating for peace within the party and contribute to a more nuanced uh, discussion on the conflict. And uh, Asim... Um also, um, sorry, just carrying on, also the media coverage. Um, resignations from high-profile positions within a political party often attract um, significant media attention. News outlets may report on the reasons for the resignation, including Imran Hussain's call for ceasefire. Uh, this coverage can help bring the issue to the forefront of public consciousness. Also, uh, amplification by supporters. So supporters of Imran Hussain, both within and outside the Labour Party, may rally behind his stance. They may, you know, share his statements, engage in discussions and advocate for ceasefire on social media platforms and other public platforms, contributing to the visibility of his position. Also, loss of uh, platform. So as a frontbencher, Imran Hussain has a prominent platform within the Labour Party to advocate for his positions. Uh, resigning from his position means losing the official platform that comes with being, uh, you know, of the party's leadership. Listeners, um, we have now um, a guest on hold who is um, the producer and host of Living History on Voice of Islam Radio, Muhammad Iqbal. Uh, Muhammad Iqbal, uh, good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. Good morning. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum May the peace and blessing of Allah be with you all. Uh, Muhammad Iqbal, um, I don't know if you have heard of it, but yesterday the youth organization, the national youth organization of the United Kingdom, Majlis Khudam Amdiya, held an event in the House of Commons uh, under the banner of Voices for Peace. Now, while they were having their event, similarly in the same building, uh, the UK Parliament voted against uh, a motion calling for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza. Now, after this decision of uh, the UK government, do you think uh, this can lead to a major disaster, this conflict? Well, of course. I mean, so far, nearly 15,000 innocent Palestinian civilians have been slaughtered um, through this um, genocide, I would call it, really. And um, that has been unleashed upon them and supported by most Western leaders and governments. Uh, it is essential that we have a ceasefire, but clearly that is uh, being ignored by the governments and the leadership of Western countries in particular. Um, but I think Voices for Peace uh, are ever so important. And uh, you can see increasingly uh, across the UK and many parts of the world, uh, these voices uh, are being raised more and more. Thousands and thousands of people are taking mm. to peaceful protests to 
uh, asked for this ceasefire, and it's a great work uh, that the young uh, youth association is doing, and the Ambia Muslim community is doing uh, as well. Uh, it's a tragedy that uh, you know the, the vote didn't uh, go through, but I think some people have shown courage and conviction in asking for a ceasefire. And uh, um, recently, we have also seen that the media has covered it in a different way, like. Um, regarding this conflict, has always taken uh, uh, the side of one party. Um, do you think that um, uh, the reporting of the uh, media uh, of this conflict is not covered uh, with justice? Oh, the Western media is extremely, extremely biased in the way it's been covered, and. Um, You know, uh, in in my view, I think they are enabling uh, a genocide by um, uh, the way they are uh, reporting. And this is in collusion with the leadership of uh, Western governments as well. Uh, I've never seen such a strong bias against the Palestinian people. I've been following uh, the tragedy of the Palestinians since my young days as a student in the 70s onwards. And uh, I've seen plenty of tragedies, but this is probably one of the worst phases, uh, both in the way they are being annihilated and destroyed and the way the media is uh, covering uh, this as well. Uh, I, as you know, as a producer of living history, I'm very much interested in history and also current affairs and geopolitics. And uh, uh, I have been astounded at the hypocrisy shown by mm. the Western media. Um, I think uh, channels like Al Jazeera tend to do a bit more justice and obviously other channels, uh, some of the channels are banned obviously in this country, which is so unfair and ridiculous. Uh, but you can uh, get information through the internet as well and see how biased the media uh, reporting uh, is. Yeah, definitely we can see some biased media online. Um, uh, as we were discussing More recently, some front benches have resigned from the Labour Party. So, what does history tell us about these kinds of of political pushbacks? Have we seen this kind of resistance before? Well, um, as you know, I myself live in Bradford, and I'm very proud of our uh, MPs from Bradford. Uh, mm-hmm. The first resignation was Imran Hussain, as you know, from Bradford, and. Uh, And then yesterday, Naz Shah also was the mm-hmm. first uh, front bencher to resign, followed by, I think, eight or nine uh, others. Uh, and uh, almost 60 Labour MPs, uh, you know, uh, rejected the call from the leader um, and voted for a ceasefire. Uh, and their SNP, under Yusuf, uh, uh, leader of uh, Scotland's SNP, showed great leadership by having the motion for ceasefire. Of course, uh, they were rejected because the majority of the MPs voted uh, for the continued uh, slaughter and ongoing uh, killing of the Palestinians. But these are important efforts. At the end of it, look, even in the United Nations, when voting takes place, um, you know, you don't always get a majority uh, for peaceful efforts, but uh, making those efforts is important. And some, of course, in the United Nations, there's a veto power from the major uh, powers. But uh, no, these, these efforts are important. If you recall early on, Benazur used to, uh, you know, um, um, our spiritual head of the Muslim community 
We used to guide us about praying when the Syrian war had started and the possibility of a third world war. Um, you know, we had ships sailing for a major escalation, but uh, prayers were important, and the parliament voted against really uh, supporting. If you, but at that time, of course, the opposition was led by somebody who was more peaceful, Jeremy Corbyn, uh, and the UK parliament voted against it, and we actually prevented a major escalation with Russia, which could have resulted in a third world war in UK. Even now, there are dangers that if this uh, conflict is not stopped, we could get into uh, a major, major war. Uh, but it was a peaceful prayer, you know, protest that ultimately stopped the Vietnam War. The Americans had been bombing Vietnam for decades and decades, causing such destruction. But it was a peaceful protest. And similarly, the apartheid regime of South Africa was removed eventually through peaceful protest. The politicians, the Western politicians, would have never, ever done it if it wasn't for the peaceful protest. Uh, people writing to MPs and having peaceful protests and, uh, uh, you know, uh, having petitions against major corporate interests, etc. as well. So you have to make every effort, as Azura said uh, as well, but uh, it has to be peaceful. That's the important thing. Mohamed um, Iqbal, you said you're an historian. Um, now, recently in history, we have learned about the Holocaust. Now we see the genocide happening in the Middle East region. Why is it that humanity never learns from their mistake? I think, you know, it's, there's a saying that power corrupts and the ultimate power corrupts, and that's particularly true in politics. Human beings are prone to doing sometimes many good things, but sometimes absolutely horrendous, uh, terrible things. And I think we go through cycles. Uh, you know, the Holocaust uh, was a terrible event against the Jewish community when in Europe the Nazis in Germany uh, killed apparently, you know, six million Jews, etc. And much of the European and Western world actually stood by and watched this yeah. slaughter. It was only very late on that they went in, and that was because of geopolitical interest, not necessarily to save the Jews. Um, but this Holocaust took place in Europe, and sadly, uh, in the Zionist uh, lobby and the European and Western nations colluded all together, together with Russia at that stage, uh, which was a communist Russia, to mm. create the state of Israel. And now the same Jews that went through this horrible Holocaust are treating the Palestinians just as bad. It's absolutely dreadful. And many, including United Nations agencies, say that Israel is an apartheid state, uh, where there's really a form of fascism. Zionism is essentially fascism. And uh, the lives are made miserable. The Palestinian lands were taken over. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's a tragedy going on, and the world uh, is going to pay a big price for uh, the, this slaughter, this genocide that's uh, going on. And uh, I think it's a great shame on the Muslim nations that mm. they cannot unite to help and support the uh, Palestinians. Even if they didn't want to participate in military uh, efforts, they could economically send a very strong message through unity. But, uh, you know, many who have the power to do that, uh, sadly, and that is the Sunni world, uh, I think Iran in its own way is trying its best. But, of course, it's being targeted not just by Israel, but 
the United States and the whole of the European major powers. So what, what can a single Muslim state do against such uh, really nastiness? And uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a very sad state of affairs. Human beings sometimes only learn after they have received a major punishment. And Allah Ta'ala says, okay, mm. if that's what you need, then so be it. Uh, but as Ahmadis, we have to try to uh, you know, find peaceful means to, to educate and tell people so that we can prevent a major calamity. But to, to me, it looks very, very difficult. I think um, uh, we've fallen into a trap. You said that um, uh, peaceful ways should be um, approached, like you just mentioned. Uh, the Ahmadi Muslims have uh, doing this like yesterday as well, uh, and mm. then you talked about that um, uh, about the Vietnam War, about the genocide, uh, about apartheid uh, government in South Africa, which have been removed by uh, peaceful pro pro protests. Um, do you think the approach the Ahmadi Muslim community has now done yesterday uh, would help or will help as well to um, immediate, um, like, to end this conflict which we see in the Middle East? Well, one can only live with the hope and mm -hmm. pray that it does, but uh, my assessment is that it's unlikely. As I said, I have never, ever seen such a bias in the Western media I have never, ever seen such weak Western leadership uh, who really can't restrain Israel in any way. And I think a lot of prominent Western uh, commentators, historian analysts are clearly saying that the power lies with Benjamin Netanyahu and the Zionist lobby. They seem to control the whole of America and they certainly control the European nations uh, as well, which is an absolute tragedy. And... Um, uh, if there was some restraint put on Israel, there could be a peaceful solution. Look, there was a lot of talk when uh, Yasser Arafat and the Palestinian Liberation Organization gave up all violence to accept peaceful accords and work towards a two-state solution, Israel and Palestine coexisting. That was never, ever allowed to happen. And after Yitzhak Rabin was assassinated by a fa right-wing extremist Israeli, Zionist Israeli, the peace process was dead in the water. Even the peace process itself was very unfair to the Palestinians, but they'd accepted it. And Hamas, uh, you know, was basically created by the Israeli lobby, and it's been funded throughout, including Benjamin governments. Uh, I, I'm not uh, necessarily saying many Muslims, you know, see Hamas as an offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood and doing a lot of good work for the Palestinians. But, uh, you know, from Ahmadi's point of view, we abhor violence uh, against civilians by anybody. And so we work towards peace, pray towards peace, and we hope that our, uh, our efforts are fruitful. But I can't really see Israel and the Western governments um, uh, allowing the Palestinians anything at all. They're being humiliated and they're, uh, they're killed slowly and steadily and their land dispossessed, which is tragic. It is tragic indeed. But as you said, we can hope and we can pray. Um, Allah is most powerful and uh, Allah is watching as well so yeah uh, the prayers of our caliph are there as well so in the end uh, I think the best weapon we have is our prayers so we should use them very well and very, uh, absolutely absolutely wise as well. um, Muhammad Iqbal um, thank you for joining uh, the breakfast show again uh, it is always lovely talking to you and to listen to you as well and I uh, hope I wish you all the best have a good day ahead and may the peace and blessings from Allah be with you
Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. So, dear listeners, you just listened to Mohammed Iqbal, host and producer of Living History on Voice of Islam Radio. He made a very interesting uh, programs about that as well. Awesome. Um, he talked about uh, the current issues we have in Gaza as well. Yes. Yeah. And it is so sad to see whatever happened. He he's right. It never seen such a biased media Definitely, coverage. Yeah, such I mean, a weak um, hmm. Western uh, government who is allowing Israel to do whatever they want. And he is also right. It is like, but Benjamin Netanyahu and his government is controlling the uh, Western government and America. It is looks like like this, but. Um, What can we do? Like, what what is the solution for that? I mean, I I'm mean, asking you. Give me a solution. Give the world a solution. People are looking. Listen. I mean, as you said, you know, we can pray. Mm. We can start a peace protest. Protest as we've done it yesterday, and as His Holiness, you know, has um, said it numerous times mm -hmm. to, to the whole world that, you know, as as he mentioned in, in his sermon as well, that Muslims countries must unite for peace. He said that as I have said before. The Muslim countries must unite as one, with one voice. If they speak as one voice, they will become a powerful force in the world, and they will have a stronger impact. Otherwise, individual voices here and there are of no consequences. Doubt His Holiness. So, as we can see, you know, we have to um, come together. Uh, as we started our peace protest uh, yesterday from the House of um, Commons. And you know we just have to keep going, and uh, importantly, be peaceful and not, you know, do any disruptions in in the world or start you know going out to the streets and you know protesting uh, not in an unpeaceful way. So it is really important to be peaceful if you want peace, you know, in the world. Mm, no, and indeed it is. Um Something like everyone is looking for, and um, I've said it many times as well. His Holiness uh, Mayor Abisab has said it many times himself that um, the way a Muslim should live is according to the teaching of Islam and according to the attributes Allah has provided for us. Uh, one of his attributes is, of course, Salam, the source of peace, and a Muslim would try. To live according to that, that he would try to maintain peace in the society and everywhere as well. Now, when I heard about that they have voted against the ceasefire, I was just thinking about the innocent mother, father, children, people who will now be killed. And how can you allow that to let people be killed? How this is even possible to let other people killing innocent people? I mean, I can't imagine that. I can't. I can't understand that. How can you fall so low? Right, that not voting for a ceasefire to save these people. I'm saying like you have technologies, you have satellites everywhere. You can find a person in minutes, and yet you think they can't find find a Hamas terrorist, and you're coming with the excuse that they are using humans as human shields. I mean, I'm fed up with these excuses. I'm sorry. This is not okay. You can't play with human lives, human lives values. Every human life values, and you just can't go for it and say no. We can't go for it because apparently we don't know who's a Hamas terrorist, who's not. They know everything beforehand, and uh, I mean, for the sake of humanity, learn from the mistakes which you guys have done, which you uh, ancestors have done, 
and don't do them again don't repeat them i mean it's it's just common sense the only way forward is ceasefire there's no other option if if you want other option then be prepared to have the more destruction in the world that's that's the only option if you if you don't want that then have a ceasefire and that's it Simple. exactly uh, i mean his holiness has spoken about it as well he's i mean he started um, nearly 20 since 20 years since he's appointed as a caliph he has warned the world exactly about yeah. a major conflict mm-hmm. and they never listened and now we're going towards to it and again <coughs> most of them will be innocent people who will be affected by that um the listeners um it's it's very tragic and you can see it from my voice as well that how much this um, what impact it actually has and i think every human being who was a soul who has not sold his soul yet can think is thinking the same way and we have a short uh, not short but we have an interview uh, to play as well um this is with, this is with, with professor Abdul Ashraf and i believe Asim you you had the uh, honor to interview him yes. so let's see what you guys basically discussed so i'm pleased to say that we have a mr Abdul Ashraf on call today peace be upon you and welcome to the breakfast show thank you very much for joining the show Abdul Ashraf how are you doing i'm fine thank you alhamdulillah Thank you very much for joining the show. So Abdul Ashraf has a broad experience of international relations and security issues, both as a practitioner and as an academic. And this includes service as a senior officer in the UK Armed Forces in operations ranging from famine and relief in Africa to stabilization operations in the South Atlantic. And he has worked in support of diplomacy in the UK's Foreign and Commonwealth Office and information fusion uh, analysis and communication in some of UK's security related government departments so Abdul can you shed a light on the international implications of politician advocating for ceasefire in conflicts like the Israel Hamas situation yes i think uh, politicians who want ceasefire um are calling for a ceasefire are going to um experience uh, some pushback um and perhaps uh some um uh, uh, negative uh experiences from the powers uh in the western world that uh, don't want to see fire the argument of the united states and the uk is that um a ceasefire would um advantage hamas um uh, but the point is that um these uh people um are the same people who have um come up with strategies of war um and none of their strategies the war has have, have succeeded um they um insisted on going war uh, to war in iraq and afghanistan and many other countries and none of those strategies have succeeded uh, have succeeded there is absolutely no evidence that there is a strategy for success in the campaign um that uh, israel is waging right now and so if there was um a reasonable plan and all the experts are saying that uh, there is no evidence that Israel has a plan to to deliver success it's actually a wish there is this assumption that if they go in they will succeed in destroying Hamas um th- th- there's no uh, uh, concrete evidence to say that they will succeed and even if they do succeed um the current uh, price that they are paying in innocent lives is uh, uh, something approaching 12000 people dead half of whom are children most of whom are innocent one way or another 
um, is, is too high a price to pay by almost any measure. Um, and so my advice to these people, uh, politicians who are calling for a ceasefire, is that remember you're on the right side of history. The ethical and moral and legal arguments aside, the, uh, the most important argument, the argument of effectiveness, is in your favor. Um, and that you should have the courage of your convictions and call for a ceasefire. Not only will that ceasefire meet dire and already very urgent um, humanitarian needs, but it will allow time for the um, Israeli government to uh, question itself and think very carefully about what is in its long-term security And of course, Israel is entitled to security and it's entitled uh, to deliver security for its people and indeed for the uh, Palestinian people in a sustainable fashion. And anybody who knows anything about conflict knows that this is not going to succeed. Many voices from Israel, many voices in the wider Jewish community are saying this very thing. Many voices amongst the people who have lost loved ones, uh, Israeli citizens, are saying that um, uh, conflict is not the solution. Many voices of the people um, whose parents, uh, whose families are, have been captured by Hamas are saying this is not the right solution. And so for all of those reasons, um, there will be initially at least negative implications. People will try and discredit such politicians. That's what they normally do. But those politicians that do call for a ceasefire should know that at least on the effectiveness argument, on the security argument, at least if not the ethical, moral, and legal argument, they are on the right side of history and they should go forward with faith and confidence. Interesting. So, uh, an important question is that what kind of elements would be included in a substantial ceasefire? Well, I think it would be absolutely right and proper to include the need for um, release of the hostages. Now, that uh, can be negotiated on the basis, uh, basis of exchanges, whatever, but um, the ultimate release of the hostages, it has to be a priority. That is, I think, one of the, the, the conditions that must be immediately met. Um, and also, um, uh, what must be uh, addressed as part of the ceasefire is that there should be unhindered uh, access to humanitarian aid, um, and to um, uh, the building of the um, critical infrastructure that has been devastated, um, uh, you know, with immediate priority uh, that must take place and, and provision must be made separately uh, by the various nation states who are involved or can be involved um, to assist in this. Um, and and <clears throat> some form of normality in terms of healthcare uh, uh, food, education, shelter has to be immediately restored for the people of Gaza. This is not a switch you turn on and off. There is uh, suffering that has taken place and most people are aware of the suffering. But what we need to be aware of is that suffering cannot be switched off with a ceasefire. It will continue. People need physical, um, psychological, emotional and other um, support. Um, and, and some form of political healing as well. Um, and uh, I think the, the, the ceasefire should involve um, involvement of uh, members of the international community to find a solution. The ceasefire will not be helpful 
to the Israelis or to the Palestinians uh, if it means that there is pause um, and after which um, resumption of, um, uh, of bombing uh, and, and other um, horrors uh, continues. That has never to be allowed. Um, and it's not going to provide security. It's going to provide greater insecurity. Um, and the, the, the issue of Hamas uh, needs to be dealt with, um, uh, both through security measures, uh, which are targeted against Hamas if necessary, but through political measures, if at all possible, um, they, they may well provide slightly less violent, slightly less risky solutions. And those need to be explored um, along with the international community. How are human rights being impacted in this conflict? Well, what human rights? I mean, this whole conflict um, is, uh, has abused virtually every single human right you can have um, by um, Hamas uh, on the one side, but by Israel uh, on the other. And the only difference is scale. Um, so, uh, you know, the right to life, which is one of the most fundamental uh, human rights, has been um, negated by both sides, um, the right to education, the right to um, <clears throat> free association, the right um, to, you name any right, um, mm-hmm. that I'm not aware of a single right that has not been infringed. And this is where um, the Universal Convention of Human Rights, which was signed in the UN in the 1950s, makes this an issue that the international community has to address, must address, and must be allowed to address. Um, It's not um, uh, good for any state to um, abuse the United Nations because the United Nations represents the world um, and and say you're talking rubbish. They uh, speak on behalf of the world. They represent the world. And I think, (coughs) I'm sure there are imperfections, excuse me, I'm sure there are imperfections. There are uh, areas that the United Nations can and should improve. But the point is, um, they're the only body we have. Otherwise, we have an anarchic world, and we know what um, these horrors await us. If we go back to an anarchic world, that those are the horrors that set in motion the need for an international liberal order, um, the First World War that led to the death of millions, mainly combatants, and the Second World War, which led to the death of millions, mainly civilians, um, was, was the issue that forced the great powers that had caused those horrors to come to terms with the fact that they needed a way of resolving their conflicts peacefully rather than through war. And unfortunately, we've resorted to war uh, frequently, but never with success, really, hardly ever with success. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, you just listened to a pre-record with Professor Afzalamat Ashraf. Sorry, Asim, um, His Holiness, Ahmed, he has, as you mentioned many, many times, spoken about peace and the, the immediate need of for peace as well. Absolutely. So the worldwide of head of the Amdi Muslim community, Ahmed, may Allah be his helper, says, if the Muslims unite and are one. They will have a strong and impactful voice speaking during his Friday sermon at the Mubarak Mosque in Islamabad, Tilford. On 13th of October 2023, His Holiness urged the Muslim world to set aside their differences to raise a voice for the innocent Palestinians who have no link to terrorism or extremism and said that major powers should prioritize the de-escalation and finding a just solution to the conflict. His Holiness reminded 
The fact that innocent children dying on both sides is completely wrong and the world should not forget that Palestinian children are as innocent as the children in Israel. His Holiness referred to the teachings of the Jewish faith which emph- emphasizes that killing innocent people is impermissible and a call for Israel to consider its own action in light of these teachings. His Holiness urged major world powers to prioritize justice over their own interests to prevent a critical situation in Palestine and Israel. His Holiness mentioned the disproportionate focus on taking action against Palestinians, including the deployment of armed forces from around the world and Western powers preparing harsh measures against Palestinians with neglecting principles of justice. Amazing. Uh, this is His Holiness, who has sat it, as I said, for 70 years ago, has warned the world about major disaster. If we don't come and if we just if we don't maintain peace in the world in the society um the listeners we have reached now the end of the show um thank you so much for joining us in the morning um the listeners if you want to learn more about islam stay tuned with the voice of radio or you can turn in tomorrow again at the same time um or you can go on our socials or on our website www.alislam.org I'm also very grateful to our producers, Kafi Al-Tif, Hania Sajid, Hamida Akbal, and Arfa Khan for the amazing, that amazing script. And of course, our researchers as well, Subia, Sabia, Sabah, and Waki. Dear listeners, I wish you a pleasant head, uh, day ahead. May the peace and blessings of Allah be with you all.